0: Coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend along with his countrymen feeling the effects of US political issues, Connor Murphy.
1: Welcome to Episode 8 of Dueling Dialogues. I'm Connor Murphy on the West Coast with Grace Matthews at Trump Central today in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, Grace. Hi, Connor. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. It's a big day in the Ozarks.
1: No doubt. Big day for sure.
2: Trump's getting his kicks on Route 66.
1: At first, it was puzzling when we talked about him going to Springfield. We were like, what? Why? Oh yeah.
2: No, yeah. Nothing
1: made sense. I, I even had a conspiracy theory that he was meeting some Russians there, you know? <laughs> what a better place to be inconspicuous. No. Right? If you want it's to hide ab- out, you know.
2: Absolutely. Come here. You know, um, it is it is still a little peculiar, but it does fit into the idea that this is a great tax campaign.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, Route 66 is 2,450 miles that travels through the heart of America, the people that voted for him. The only place that it probably passes by that didn't vote for him is Chicago. It, it ends in Santa Monica, California, and I didn't look that up, but if any place in California went for Trump, That would probably be an area that did. So it's blue-collar, it's middle-class, it's the heart of the country.
1: Yes, and you know what's super disappointing about it all? What? We didn't get to see it here in Canada. I'll tell you something, what I got to see on the news, and it happened to be the Business News Network. And in past days, we talked about media bias, They're not even listed on the the Media Bias website, so I can't tell where they are actually sitting. But in Canada, they are the only network, as far as I found, that covered the Trump speech. Oh my goodness. And covered maybe seven minutes of it. So this is what I got to see in Canada here this morning from the Trump speech. I seen him come up late, of course. It started late. And, uh, you know, maybe Melania was trying to pick out better shoes for today uh, so she didn't upset the media anymore, which is ridiculous. But anyways, what I, we, we saw here in Canada was a bunch of name-dropping of people. I really didn't even know who they were, most of them, being Canadian. And all of a sudden, he said his little bit about Texas. That was pretty much all we got to see. That's,
2: that's a shame because tax cuts have everything to do with his greater plan about bringing business back to America. That certainly affects Canada because this also affects the um, NAFTA agreement, which he says we'll either pull out of or make better or start all over again. Uh, he mentioned that in a speech.
1: That's a whole other so, show right there. Well,
2: it is a show, other show, but the point being is this is relative to Canada.
1: Right. Everything you guys do is relative to Canada. We're your neighbor. That's true. That's true.
2: And you're our good neighbors.
1: Well, thank Actually. you. Mostly. That's, I, I'm assuming you guys started to build the wall, right? Right, yeah. Winter is
2: coming. (laughs) Right, and, uh, you know, I don't think the wall came up.
1: (laughs) No. I mean, either
2: wall came up. Yeah, yeah. The Canadian or the Mexican, and I, you know, if I could ask him one thing, because I am very happy with this guy today, and I wasn't very happy at all about his, um, him not denouncing the... You know, white nationalist and neo-Nazi stuff, you know, they're junk, we'll call it, any better than he did. But today, he rocked. But I would beg him not to make the debt ceiling dependent on passing a budget for the wall. There is too much going on. America's hurting too bad we have the hurricane, which is going to be two to three times Katrina in cost. We're going to have two to three times the, the amount of people dislocated. It is the capital of our refinery business for oil and gasoline in the United States. We, our health care is falling apart. Our taxes are we're the highest in the world in developed countries. We need our debt ceiling passed. We cannot make it contingent on something else. So I beg Trump find another soapbox to to attach the wall to. Well, yeah the
1: the wall is of least concern right now. what the, there's no actual, Surprise that i'm not a trump fan but today he does something good
2: exactly and that's what we should focus on
1: and there's nothing about it in in the media and we've talked so much about media bias in the, in the past episodes that it was super evident today i mean i i checked cnn and while trump was talking they were playing reruns that i saw an hour ago
2: And just you are just like I brought up David Horsey the other day and his article in the L.A. Times. He is he is left of left and he admits it. But he is tired of being pandered to by the left wing media. He says, challenge me. I've got to turn to Fox News, Sean Hannity to be challenged. Exactly. That's not right.
1: You are right. I mean, even Fox Canada did not have the speech on. So, as far as Canadians are concerned, pretty much nothing happened today. Trump. Well, did it was
2: a big day. It was a big day for me. Big day in the Ozarks. And it was great because I felt Air Force One shaking my house earlier. And, you know, it's exciting.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's
2: exciting um, anytime you see a president. Whether you voted for him or not, when he comes to your town, it's exciting because it says we're important. And let me tell you, a town like Springfield needs that. It's, it's not a large town. And um, I've prepared a little information about Springfield, and I think that it is important to know where he came today. Um, Besides the birthplace of Route 66, Um, it's an area that is pretty devastated. So, as we titled this episode today, Can Trump Save Springfield, Missouri? And like I said before, we thought of and realized that he was coming to the birthplace of Route 66. His visit here seemed peculiar. And why would I make such a deduction? Because they live here. Generally, when a sitting first-term president visits a town, certain criteria is met. Outside of the 60% victory, it is hard to understand how Springfield met even minimal conditions. The local paper, the news leader, also claimed that local congressman, Billy Long, invited the president to Springfield. Others say he watched an installment of Ozark on Netflix and said, that's my people. Sure, Roy Blunt is a supporter, and he organized Trump's inaugural events. And at a moment in time when talent invitations were mostly met with refusals to perform, Blunt did manage to secure the Missouri State University Choir. As far as I can see, that's the positives. And the negatives are... Too frightening to be outweighed. The risks and adverse matters are very heavy um, because visiting here was very risky. Uh, Surprisingly, as of late, Trump and the GOP have had no trouble raising money. Still, generally, when a sitting first-term president visits an area, he panders to large donors. The Trump campaign cannot boast of a donor response Uh, responsible for more than $2,500 in Springfield, Missouri, to his particular campaign. There are pretty big Republican donors, but not to his campaign. This is small potatoes, even in a small, suburban city, and especially on a day when Hillary Clinton was charging $1,200 a ticket to talk about her newly released book, so there are surely more lucrative choices, even in Missouri, than Springfield, Missouri. The popular beliefs suggest this was originally trend, uh, intended to be a public event, much like Phoenix. Instead, Monday, merely 48 hours before his arrival, the co- community received word that he would come to Lauren Cook Company and the event would be closed to the general public. In fact, possibly overt supporters of his campaign and presence, presidency were very few, if any. So, how about is it? Does Trump even believe he will make it on the next presidential election ballot? I don't know. His coming to Springfield has me wondering how atrocious from a security aspect. Is the entire scope of things. Sure, Springfield voters gave Trump an overwhelming 60% of their votes. No one is less surprised than me. However, there is an outstanding population of people that don't vote. Among those individuals, I assure you he has virtually no support. I also can see that in the area there is a epidemic of denial. There are those that will paint a picture of a picturesque Ozarkian landscape surrounded by rolling hills, gorgeous lakes, with a church on nearly every corner. That's all true. A couple of decades ago, Springfield, Missouri, was considered the perfect place to live and raise a family, an attribute attribute that became the kiss of death. Today it is a cesspool of crime, drug manufacturing and trafficking, and abuse. Statistically, it outweighs the national average in crime. Uh, According to the Wall Street, it is the 24-7 Wall Street. It is the 11th most dangerous city in the country. Uh, According to home facts, the violent crime is 176% higher than the national average local arrests are 203 percent above the national national average robbery is 163 percent above national average aggravated assault is 279 percent above average property crime is 203 percent above average burglary is 138 percent above average even vehicle theft is 240% above the national average. Registered sex offenders are at about 1% of the population. Springfield is the not only the birthplace of Route 66, it is the birthplace of the formula for creating methamphetamine. Um, and it's well known around the United States for that. Meth labs are everywhere. Not only do they produce a dangerous, deadly, addictive substance, they are prone to explosion and fires. Not to mention the toxins that are left behind. Heroin is quickly becoming an epidemic in Springfield according to Detective Steve Miller. He handled 200 overdoses and 15 deaths in 2015. And this does not account for the ones where the police weren't called. In which that is most of them. Um, economically, the medium income is thirty-six thousand. Uh one in four people here live in poverty. That's about thirty-two percent of the people, which is really a little bit more than one in four. Uh, ten percent of the population live on less than half of the rate of poverty, and there is a large Population of dis of disabled people. The most poverty stricken are five year olds and eighteen to twenty four year olds. Twenty uh, six percent of the children in Springfield live below poverty. Married couples per, comprise thirty six percent of popper, poverty. Households headed by women are at a rate of fifty point six percent of the impoverished. The city lacks well-paying blue-collar jobs, which has the better part of the population relying on public assistance. Unfortunately, food banks are a vital part of the survival of the community. The long-term conditions have become breeding grounds for a disastrous form of vulnerability that is currently epidemic among the weak and the poor. Drugs, human slavery, trafficking, abuse, and pedophilia, it's stifling. Living here, I'm not ashamed to admit I am a supporter of Trump's agenda. As a consequence, considering everything, President Trump's visit to Springfield, Missouri has to be a response to his platform and not to further his political treasure box because the cachet ain't here with promises of protests from outsiders and an underground of Trump-hating residents hinting about their planned demonstrations. I can only surprise with the serious lack of local law enforcement that a town like Springfield must rest near and dear to his motives. After all, it is those in the center of the country that have remained strong believers in his message, despite all of his gaffes. Is Trump really the president and all his blustery that will rescue the sinking Midwestern communities? Tax cuts translate into promises that benefits the communities like Springfield, Missouri. Less taxes mean more disposable income for working families. Tax cuts provoke business and manufacturing expansion. More jobs mean less free time a reduction in joblessness, a sense of pride and productivity, and most of all, a genuine sense of usefulness, all of which endanger crime and drug issues.
1: Wow. Well, now we make sense of why he's there.
2: I think it does. I think, yes, the Route 66, and I don't think Springfield's the only city along the Route 66 trail or, you know... Old Highway, that have many of these problems. It is the birthplace, but it's hard to believe that he will encounter a city with more problems. Like I said, 20 years ago, Springfield was dubbed on several lists as being one of the best places in the country to raise a family and live both economically and, you know, spiritually. And it was the kiss of death. Because every scumbucket and you know that read that came here, and now it is it is very fearful to live here. I mean, you have to be careful. Was there any
1: words on any riots or anything happening?
2: Um, I don't know yet because um, we're going on the air very quickly here, and it was planned after he spoke. So I, see. I don't know yet. Um, there were plans, and they were marching towards where he was. How close they would get, I, I don't know. So we'll we'll have to see. There is certainly a lot of um, rumblings about trouble.
1: Well, you'll have to update us uh, the next yes. episode to what Absolutely. definitely occurred. But, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, uh, it's no surprise that I'm not a big Trump fan, but he did really well today.
2: He did well, and he brought up a lot of good points. I mean, let's face it, he may not be the best politician in the world, but when it comes to business, financing, finance, money, it's hard to beat him. It's hard to beat him you know, with Steve Mnuchin and Gary Cohn in his cabinet and advising him. I, I just don't know how you lose. I really don't. Now, I have a list of his tax cuts. Or oh, I'm not, good. His tax, not really the tax cuts, but the changes to personal taxes.
1: Good, because Um, we didn't get to see any details whatsoever in Canada.
2: Well, that was not included in his speech. But I do have them. There will be no change to housing, charity, and retirement deductions. But that's it. They're going to simplify the code. Property and state taxes will be eliminated, as will gambling losses interest, union expenses, moving expenses, many medical itemized deductions, investments, casualty and theft loss, business expenses, legal fees, health savings accounts, uh, teaching expenses, health insurance, early savings withdrawals, alimony, student loan interest and domestic productions. He's going to have to give us a big tax cut to make up for those things. I myself love the health insurance deduction and the state tax deduction, um, and of course, it, it, I didn't see anything about education. I'm, I'm
1: still sitting here with my mouth open. My mouth's been open since about halfway down that list. I'm going. I started to think. Okay, where's the tax cuts coming?
2: Well, I I don't know. I don't know. Now, you also (laughs) have to realize that this is Trump's plan. Trump's plan is not going to be the one we're going to get. We're going to get whatever the Congress and the Senate decide on, if they can even do that. And so, and hopefully this just makes me so mad, they won't label it Trump's tax cuts like they labeled it Trump's health care issue, because both of these issues belong to the American people. And when they sit there and rewrite something that Trump has proposed, how do they see that it doesn't become theirs? Right. I mean, it belongs to the Congress and the Senate, and they have got to quit blaming it on Trump or acting as if if they're mad at Trump, they can't vote for it. That is becoming so ridiculous. They haven't passed anything the American people need. They, you know, they don't even work that much. They're only going to work 12 more days the rest of the year. And they've got a lot of work to do, including the debt ceiling. But let me tell you this. I got a letter yesterday, specifically from the Congress, and this just burns me alive, asking for money. We need you, Grace. We've got our work cut out for us. As of right now, Nancy Pelosi has momentum. The last three months alone, she raised $26.3 million dollars. $8.2 $8.2 million more than us. This means that when they spend $66.2 million in attack ads against conservatives, we won't be able to defend them because we won't have the funds. That's where you come in. The outcome of the election will depend on the support of grassroots activists like you. The situation is crucial right now, Grace. In just three days, we'll hit our FEC fund raising deadline. To catch up with Nancy Pelosi, all donations will be double-matched before this crucial deadline. Do I really give a damn if they can't pass anything? We might as well have Nancy Pelosi and her crew in there. <laughs> Come on, Grace. Save the Republicans. Now this, Come on, this save. Is the House conservatives. So this wow. is the Congressional conservatives and you know what i say to that bs with a capital bs good for you i mean you. you know i will i'm more than happy to give to the general cause but not those guys not those guys that keep blaming everybody else and then they take a day off it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous you know, and then the GOP in Missouri is split. A couple of them were too busy to go to um, Trump's speech. And I'm talking about GOP people. I'm not talking about Dems. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Republicans. One of them's going to run for Senate. Uh, one of them's Jay Ashcroft, John Ashcroft's son.
1: Is it really a surprise there's no accountability?
2: It is and it isn't. I mean, at some point, you got to grow up. I mean, these are behaviors I don't let my kids get by with.
1: But we we elect these people into office, assuming they're going to be for the people. Does it ever turn out that way? No.
2: And how is it we get people that are so petty? Well, I don't like him or he made me mad six months ago. Are you kidding me? How passive-aggressive are you?
1: Right. This is not high school. Get over it. Yeah, get
2: over it. You don't have to like him. What you do have to like is America and the American people. Or you shouldn't be there. Go home and don't come back. So what are we getting out of this Republican Congress and Senate that we couldn't get out of the Democratic side? with a Republican president, nothing, absolutely nothing. But let's think positive. Let's say they come up with a new tax cut. Gary Cohn, he is the chief economic advisor for the Trump administration. And he says that they are going for the lowest, biggest tax cut ever. That would mean this would trump Reagan's big tax cut. Cohn, Gary Cohn, wants corporate tax rate to be below 23%. Trump did mention today he'd like to see it below 15%. Even at 15%, it would not be the lowest by any means in the world. Uh, Cohn also says that he would like a Revenue-neutral tax. Um, Steve Mnuchin, I think they have small differences. Their small differences do not matter because this is going to go to Congress and it will all be changed up anyway. My greatest worry, if the tax cuts are passed, is that Gary Cohn may not stay. He is very upset with Trump about the um, way he handled the uh, Charlottesville situation. Gary Cohn and Steve Mnuchin are both Jews. Um, Gary Cohn is also actually a Democrat. He is very upset, but I would say, if I could talk to him, I would beg him, please, to stay for Wall Street, tax cuts, the financial world, because he is one of the best things to happen to our finances. People trust him that handle big money. And the one of the most stabilizing things for the stock market is Gary Cohn. And I know there are people out there that say, oh my gosh, he was former Goldman Sachs guys, those guys, you know, him and Steve Mnuchin both. Well, they know what they're doing. So I hope he stays because last week he wrote a resignation letter. He decided not to act upon it. And I hope that um, I hope he stays. I, I really do because I, I think the markets would react and the financial world world would react hugely, or let's like Trump says, bigly. Okay, so Trump
1: he started his speech off, the parts that I did see, uh, he started his speech off by dropping names. I don't think I recall Cohn.
2: Yeah, and we got on the air very quickly here, but I was sure I talked for Gary Cohn. But Gary Cohn made statements in public and, of course, rolled his eyes behind the president um, uh, when President Trump made that speech at Trump Tower. He did not think kindly of the way he handled the neo-Nazi situation. Neither did I. But, you know, we have to move on. I also do not think that Trump is a racist or an anti-Semitic. I definitely do not think he's an anti-Semitic. So this is very important to um, Gary Cohn, who is an observant Jew. So let's just hope that um, they both can get over it. But no, he did not introduce, or recognize Gary Cohn. I believe he did mention Steve Mnuchin. In fact, I'm sure he did. He also, President Trump also called out Claire McCaskill. She is our Democratic senator. He said either she votes for taxes or we should vote her out. We know that she is coming up against a very tight race. If she doesn't vote for taxes, my guess is she is out. She's been a longtime politician from Missouri. She was one of the best attorney generals that the state ever had. I can't say that she has been one of the best senators the state's ever had, but she certainly should take a look at compromising on tax cuts.
1: Yeah, I don't think she has any, any option whatsoever.
2: I don't either. I don't either. And, you know, uh, none of the Democrats were willing to vote for the health care bill, despite the fact that it is imploding upon itself, and that many people are in crisis with the health care situation. So... Some of these senators, especially, that are looking at 2018 elections should certainly be thinking about extending a helping hand to these issues that are important to the American people. Otherwise, they should have their Budinskis kicked out the door. But it's a, it's a, it's a big day. For everyone, not just people that live in Springfield, but in towns like Springfield, you know, we don't even have 200,000 people in this in the city proper. So we had a very small law enforcement. I know that they the president brings a lot of his own. Secret service. And protection. But. But in order to keep the perimeters safe for them to operate, it takes a lot of law enforcement. I'm hoping the rest of the afternoon does not get out of control. But he um, took a big chance coming to a city like this.
1: It makes sense now. Totally, like two days ago or even yesterday, it still wasn't making sense. Um, so it does make sense. We, I definitely agree with you that you know this was a good move.
2: It was, and at first I really wasn't sure. But uh, We need tax cuts. Well, I'm not so
1: sure how better off you're going to be after losing all those
2: deductions, though. That was
1: a long list of deductions.
2: I know, so they're really going to have to cut cut the cost. I, I think uh, they're going to have to cut the tax rate. And I think he will. I, you know, he's very cognitive. He, despite the bad media and his gaffes, which just being kind, calling them gaffes, he really does want to be the best president ever. And in his mind, it can be. I'm not saying I think he can. You know, I, I, that's irrelevant. We're talking about what's going on in his mind. And I believe that this is extremely important to him. It's extremely important to how he goes down in history. But I also do think he cares. I think he genuinely cares about the American people and is very thankful for his life. I mean, if, if that's just a 70-year-old man trying to get into heaven, okay, great, I'll take it. If it if it changes things and it changes things for communities like where I live, because it is very sad to see that kind of deterioration in jobs change a lot of things. Money changes a lot of things. And a lot of us have been raised to believe to pretend that money is a bad thing. Money is not a bad thing. Money makes things possible. It makes when you can have a good paying job and you can support your family and you can do some things, you can take some vacations, you can go out to eat on Friday night. That is a very good thing for the economy, for the crime rate. I mean, most crime, like we're seeing in Springfield, Really, at the root of it is poverty. Right. I mean, they're not diamond, you know, thieves or fine art thieves. We're talking about people that are trying to make ends meet. Speaking of the heroin problems, several years ago, worked with a girl that had a terrible heroin problem. She had been a heroin addict for seven or eight years. Finally, she gets caught with the paraphernalia, and um, at least this is the part of the story I'm told, and she is arrested. And her family doesn't bail her out of jail. So she sat for several months in jail. And then she was put into a treatment program. And she was pretty successful. Now, she was given one of the drugs of choice and they told her, you know, you're probably going to have to take this the rest of your life because heroin is just like being hungry. Apparently you feel such a need, almost like water, air food for the drug as an addict. So she stays clean for like five years and she has baby. She loves that baby. She wants to provide for that baby, but she has no skills. What'd she start doing? Selling. Because it's good money. Um, is she using it now? I don't know. But she's selling. It's big, big money. Especially for someone with no education in a city or a town, whatever you want to call this, that doesn't have paying blue-collar jobs. Most people around here are working for 7 bucks an hour that are, that are uneducated. And you know what? College isn't for everybody. I mean, if every person here went to college, they wouldn't have a job either, any better than what they don't have. That is why blue-collar jobs are so damned important. I know that, you know, Mark Cuban says... Well, Trump is ridiculous. You can't bring manufacturing back because we're really technologically beyond manufacturing. Well, they're still doing it in China. And maybe we should back off of that. A couple of weeks ago, Amazon decided to hire some crazy amount of people. I want to say it's about 100,000 people. Now, do you think they're little robots suddenly all quit working? Or do you think that they saw the need in the community? People have to work or they're not going to sell anything. Exactly. Reagan's trickle-down economics, it's its common sense. I mean, people go, that's not true. There's no trickle-down. Everything's trickle-down. Yeah, and local in your community. Absolutely. And sometimes globally, I mean, one thing affects the other. We're all joined together, you know, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. We're all joined together. And at the end of that rope, my life can affect your life. And ultimately, that means my life is affecting, could possibly affect your son's life. If I'm late getting on here and you're supposed to be meeting him for dinner, I've affected his life and I haven't met him.
1: It's life.
2: It is life.
1: Well, I agree with you on pretty much everything you said today. I'm still a little bit skeptical that all of those deductions are going to mean lower taxes.
2: I'm nervous about that. I'm nervous about that too, Connor.
1: We still agree.
2: Uh, That's right. We don't always agree. But life's the journey. Godspeed, my friend.
1: Godspeed. Godspeed. Thanks for listening, everybody, and our thoughts and prayers to everybody in Texas. I agree.
0: Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the right left chronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins.